Welcome to the Ridge Life Podcast. We at Pleasant Ridge Christian Fellowship trust this message will be an encouragement to you. Please join with us as we look into God's Word with Pastor Mike Bird. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 24 this morning. We just finished up a series out of Ephesians. And this portion of scripture has been something that's been on my mind, actually, probably since the beginning of the year of 2019, almost the end of the year of 2018. We're going to be starting a little journey here, going through Matthew 24 and 25. This portion of scripture here, Matthew 24 and 25, is known as the Olivet Discourse. And it's called the Olivet Discourse because Jesus is sitting on the Mount of Olives, and he is talking to his disciples about future things, about things that are going to happen in the future. And uh, the theme of this sermon that Christ gives is his second coming, about Christ returning to the earth. And it's a sermon from our Lord about his coming and the end of this present age. Now, the way that this sermon kind of plays out, it, it all stems from a question that the disciples ask the Lord. And this, the answer that the Lord gives is the longest answer to any question that has ever been asked of him. It's the longest recorded answer that has ever been asked. And the Lord tells us some things about future things. And hopefully as we move through uh, these two chapters here, Matthew 24 and 25, I hope that you'll be gripped by our Lord's answer to what he says about future things, how things are going to play out as we see them about his return. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about Christ's return. We see passages such as uh, Ezekiel, um, Isaiah, Zechariah, Daniel, uh, passages throughout all of the New Testament and even the book of Revelation talk about the return of Christ. And uh, when you compare scripture with scripture and you see things, uh, a certain part of scripture here and a certain part of scripture here, and you start putting things together, uh, you can kind of see how things are going to play out. But here specifically in Matthew 24 and 25, Jesus gives precise detail events that uh, are going to take place and going to be marks of his return, of when Christ returns. And so I don't think we should really uh, gloss over these chapters, but that we should take them to heart and really uh, apply them to our lives. Now, these two chapters in particularly are much discussed and I think probably very misunderstood chapters. Um, there are many, many different kinds of viewpoints and interpretations of these two chapters. And with any prophetic message or, or messages throughout God's word, um, I think it's very important that we don't approach something like this uh, with our own viewpoints already established. Like, well, this is the way it's going to happen. And then we read the passage and we say, well, no, I think it's going to happen this way because this is the way I was taught or this is the way I grew up. So I think it's important to just take a fresh look at this and see what does God really say about his return. 
And so this passage, I, I think, is certainly no different that we shouldn't uh, be bringing our own presuppositions uh, to this text. Now, as we begin this series, I think it's really important to lay some groundwork for this message. And that's really what we're going to be doing today. Uh, sometimes you just really have to deal with nuts and bolts, okay? To really put this together, to really put this within its context, to understand what the disciples were saying, what question they were asking, and how our Lord's answer really falls in with all of that. And uh, so we're gonna lay some groundwork, we're gonna put some foundation work down so we can really understand where we're going in this particular message of our Lord about his coming, about being prepared. Now, uh, we're gonna look here, Matthew 24, verses one through three. And as I said, you know, I, I, I began with this message thinking about this probably late December, early January. And I don't know if it was because I was having some sort of a midlife crisis or uh, if I was just seeing what was going on in the world and, and going, man, I, I don't know how much longer this kind of nonsense can go on in our world. And we're seeing all the, the rampant sin that is taking place in our world. And we're seeing all the, uh, the disobedience and, and, and the mockery of God. And we wonder how long can this kind of stuff go on? And uh, so I, I began thinking about it, looking at certain passages about uh, Christ's return and, and what it means to be prepared for his coming. And by the way, you should be prepared for his coming. This world is not our home. If you call yourself a follower of Christ, this world is not our home. We should not be grabbing on to so many things in this world as if this is permanent. It's not. Uh, all of this is gonna melt away with a fervent heat and it's gonna be destroyed. And those that know Christ will reign with him for all of eternity, but those that do not know Christ, you'll be turned into hell. And so uh, we should not be living in this world thinking that this is it, because uh, this is not it. Uh, Christ is going to return. And so when we're thinking about the Lord's return, we're thinking about the future. And you know, would you not say that everybody is curious about the future? I mean, don't we think about what's gonna happen I wonder what's gonna happen next year. I wonder what's gonna happen next election. I wonder what's gonna happen this. I wonder what's gonna happen then. We're very curious about the future. Uh, some people are so curious about it that if they could know what was gonna happen in the future, they would like to make certain investments so that way they could get ahead in life, okay? But the point is, is everybody thinks about the future. And these disciples were no different. In fact, that's exactly what they were thinking about here in Matthew 24. Uh, they're thinking about the future, wanting to understand the future. And we must put this passage within its context of what was going on, why they were asking these specific questions about the future, looking for signs. So let's just think about it just for a moment. Think about the Jews living during this time. They were under intense oppression. In fact, they had been under oppression for a long time. They had, they had been under Babylonian oppression. Uh, they had been under the uh, Persians' oppression. Uh, and now, even here in, uh, in the New Testament, they find themselves under Roman oppression, having to obey Roman laws and have to obey do, certain do certain things, the Romans were oppressing the Jews that were living there in this time. Uh, 
And so the disciples were looking for a time that when Christ would come and he would throw off all the Roman opposition in their life and establish his kingdom. And you find that throughout the New Testament when the disciples are asking questions. Lord, we want you to be our king. We want you to do this. We want you to do that. And Jesus, no, it's not time. 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 And so they find themselves under oppression, some controlling nation of the Romans. The Jews were anticipating the coming of Messiah because he was going to set everything right. He was going to make everything the way that it should be. And so they were looking for Christ to restore the glory of Israel. And they knew this because of what the prophets taught them. Now you have to think, they did not have the New Testament. They had the Old Testament writings. They had Moses. They had the Psalms. And so everything that they saw in the Old Testament pointed to Christ coming and restoring the glory of Israel. And so you have to think, here's Christ on the scene. And they're going, this is it. This is it. He's here. He's here. This is it. This is what's going to happen. And so when you come here to this time, the life of Jesus, there's a very, very clear scenario of end time events in the mind of the Jew that would have been living during this time. And so they had basically taken some of the Old Testament prophets, such as Daniel and Zechariah, Isaiah, Jeremiah. They're reading through these. They know what's supposed to happen in the order of events. They see that there's supposed to be a forerunner. Here's John the Baptist. He shows up. Boy, this is it. This is it. Hey, he's here. He's here. This is the Messiah. He is here. They see him healing and uh, being able to feed multitudes, thousands of people. This is it. This is it. Raising people from the dead, healing all kinds of diseases. This is it, guys. We are living in the end of the age. This is it. So you can imagine all the excitement that was building in their lives. They were anticipating it. But something happened. We find here in Matthew 24, as we approach this text, this scene is unfolding right before their eyes as what's happening. But there's a curveball that's thrown to them. In fact, if you read Matthew 24 and 25, and then you get to Matthew 26, Jesus says that the Son of Man is going to suffer. He's going to be put to death. Boy, that was a curveball that they were not expecting. Can you imagine the letdown, all the anticipation that was building? Christ is going to restore the kingdom of Israel. This is it. And then he's dead. What just happened? I thought this was, I thought this was it. This was the end of the age. And then Christ resurrects. Oh man, their hope is restored. And then he leaves. See, they weren't anticipating that. They didn't see that. They had a very compressed view of Christ, of what was happening. They didn't have the New Testament. The Old Testament prophets didn't see it like how we see it. They didn't talk about that. They just saw Christ coming 
and the whole thing happening. They didn't see the time element in between of Christ dying and the age that we're living in here and now, the church age. They didn't see that. In fact, Paul calls the whole New Testament a mystery. If you remember, we were reading in Ephesians, he talked about the mystery being revealed, the mystery of something that was hidden. It was something that was not previously known, but now the mystery has been revealed. It's been revealed in Christ. It's been revealed in his resurrection. And we have this mystery that has been revealed to us. So the Old Testament prophets saw it all happening at one time, and that's the way the disciples saw it as well. So they expected, boy, this is right on schedule. Everything's happening the way it should happen. Christ is going to restore the kingdom of Israel. This is it, guys. We're in on it. Christ is going to get rid of all the enemies, all the Roman oppression. And uh, the end of the age is here. It's here right now. And so everything they thought was lining up perfectly. So in the disciples' mind, the end of the age was really about to happen. They just needed to know when it was going to happen. And that's where this brings us here to Matthew 24. And so they were looking for a triggering event for when all this end was going to happen. And so we find here in verse number three, look what it says here. And as he said on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be? Now, what were they looking for? They were looking for Christ to establish his kingdom. When are you going to establish your kingdom? We've seen everything, all the prophets, everything's been lining up. When are you going to establish your kingdom? That's the question that's going on in their mind. So let's read these first two verses. Let's back up here, Matthew 24, and see what's going on. Matthew 24, verse number one, says, Jesus left the temple and was going away when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. But he answered them, you see all these, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Now, why would Jesus say that? Why would Jesus be talking about the destruction of the temple? Why would he talk about the stones of the temple being torn down? Well, it stems from the previous chapter in, verse, in chapter 23 when Jesus pronounces judgment upon Israel. You see, Israel, for, for years and years and years, God had been sending prophet after prophet after prophet to tell people to repent of their sins and to turn to God. And what did they do? They killed the prophets. They stoned them. They got rid of them. They didn't want to hear them. And so Jesus pronounces judgment upon Israel. Listen to what Jesus actually says to them in verse 37, Matthew 23. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. See your house, the temple, see your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So here's the disciples, they're in the temple 
They're hearing Jesus pronounce judgment upon Israel and they're leaving the temple. And this is what's going on. They're seeing this temple that Herod has built. Herod built this second temple and it was a massive structure, huge structure. And they're seeing how large it is, how glorious it is. And the disciples ask him and they start pointing out, see these buildings? See these stones? How is this gonna become desolate? How is all this gonna become nothing? And Jesus tells them then, he says, you see all these, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And so the disciples, this temple, it was massive, it was huge. In Mark 13, 2, a comparative passage says that they mentioned great buildings. Luke says in chapter 21, verse five about the temple, it says the buildings were adorned with offerings so that people had brought these wealthy treasures and they were placed all around it so that it was filled with treasure. Tacitus, who was considered to be one of the greatest Roman historians that lived during the Roman Empire, said of the temple this, it was a place of immense wealth, the collected and accumulated treasures of all the Jews who brought them there, and it was an excellent fortress. The temple of Herod was amazing. And they're seeing this, and Jesus pronounces judgment upon Israel says this temple is going to become desolate. And he says it's going to be thrown down, not one stone left upon another. It's going to be totally desolate. And don't you think the disciples are pondering that statement? How is this going to happen? What is going to be the triggering event that this is going to happen? What is it going to be so that you will be here, so that your kingdom will be established? How can it ever be? How can it happen? And that's exactly what did happen. The whole temple was leveled in 70 AD when the Roman Titus led the Roman army to capture the city of Jerusalem and destroyed both the city and its temple. It was leveled. Not one stone was left upon another. Completely destroyed. And so Christ says that it was destroyed and it will be destroyed Josephus, a first century Jewish historian who would have been alive during, the time of, uh, during this time, says this about the temple. He saw this with his own eyes. He says, the thing was leveled to the degree where you would never know if you visited there that anybody ever inhabited the place. They tore the whole thing down. So you gotta be thinking, what was Jesus' statement about the destruction of the temple meaning to the disciples. They could have been thinking, this is it, guys. It's all coming to a wrap right here. It's all gonna come to a great climax. We're living in this moment of glory in the history of Israel. Israel is going to be destroyed, is going to be restored to its former glory. So out of this statement, these disciples, this question these disciples ask, okay, we find here in verse three something very interesting. Okay? 
Let's look at the verse again, verse three. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? In Mark's account of this, we find that it was Peter, James, John, and Andrew that came to them. And no doubt, I'm sure it was probably Peter was the one that actually spoke. You gonna ask him? No, no, you ask him. No, are you? No, okay, all right, I'll go ask him. Okay, I'll ask him, I'll ask him. And they came to him and asking him, when are these things going to be? And so the things Jesus is talking about here The destruction of the temple. That's when it's going to be. The destruction of the temple. Now, according to the disciples, everything had happened the way that it was supposed to happen. Everything the way it was supposed to play out. When, what, where. But what's the sign? What's the sign? I mean, how do we know it's going to happen? Give us the indicator they're asking. Is it darkness? Is it a brilliant light? What is it? An angel? A trumpet? What is it? And when is it? And they're really excited and anxious about all of this. They thought Jesus was going to usher in the end of the age and the restoration of Israel. Can you imagine what profound effect the cross then had upon them that when he died? What a total letdown. We thought you were going to restore the glory of Israel and it didn't happen. In fact, you can read uh, even in Acts 1, after Christ has resurrected, and just before he ascends to the Father, they ask him, they say, now will you restore the kingdom of Israel? See, they didn't get it. They didn't see the time period in between. And he says, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons. But you, what are you supposed to do? Wait in Jerusalem. So they didn't get it. They didn't understand it. It was not part of their thinking. It didn't fit into their timeline events. So now we understand. We come here to chapter 24. What's going on? What has happened? And they're thinking of how things are supposed to be playing out. And so basically he says, guys, it's not right now. The whole point, it's not right now. I am not going to establish my glory right now. Now, you're wrong. He says, you need to understand what my purpose is. So this is their question. And so now we move here. Let's look at the second thing here. So we have the sign of these things. What are these things gonna be? Number two, the sign of your coming in the end of the age. Now look here back at verse number three. Just a couple things to draw this together so we can start putting this together and then move on here, okay? I want you to draw your attention to the word coming. Look what he says. What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? You say, well, they're talking about the second coming. No, they're not. What were they thinking about? They were wanting him to be restoring the kingdom of Israel. They said, what is the sign of your coming? They're not thinking the same way that Jesus is thinking. And Jesus answers them in a way to tell them about his second coming, but they were not thinking about the second coming of Christ. You see, they didn't even believe in a second coming as such. They didn't see the distinction. They didn't see, all they saw was the first coming, but they didn't see that second coming, right? 
Why is that? Because the way that the Old Testament prophets put the things together. Let me give you a good way to see how you can see how this works, right? Take your hand, okay? We'll take your hand like this, okay? Now, I want you to turn it to face you, okay? Now, what do you see? You say, I see my hand. <laughs> I see long life, no. Um, anyways, <laughs> you see your hand, right? You see everything that's in between your fingers, right? Okay, now, if you turn your hand and you look straight ahead, I just look at that first finger, can you see everything in between your hand? You can't, but you can see some tips of things. And that's just the way the Old Testament prophets put things together. We see things, but we don't see everything that's in between. And so the Jews, this, even the disciples, they saw things, but they didn't see everything that was in between. So they were not asking about the second coming. They're asking about when are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? They were looking for it right here and now. And so Jesus tells them here, it's a mystery. It's something I'm going to reveal to you. And look what he says here. He says, what will be the sign of your coming? Now, once you look at that word coming, that word is made up of two words. The first one is present or to be around. And the second is to be around or to be. So to be present, to be around. So a good way that we could understand what they're asking, they're saying, and what will be the sign of your full presence of you being here? We want you here totally, constantly. What is going to be the sign of your full being, your full presence be, where you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? This word coming is used four other times in this chapter. Verse 3, verse 27, uh, verse 37, and also in verse 39. And uh, it's even used by Jesus. Um, it becomes a key word in some of the other New Testament uh, books and even in Revelation. Uh, it's used by Peter. It's used by John. It becomes a, a technical term for the arrival of Jesus Christ to establish his kingdom. But what they're simply saying is, when are you going to arrive in full presence? When is that going to happen? When are you going to be here in your full messianic presence, your revelation? When are you going to be here? And so they say, what shall be the sign? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Now, this phrase, the end of the age, basically means the full and final end. So the disciples are asking Jesus, when is the full and final end of man's age, of man's day? Now, this is a very powerful phrase. It is used five times uh, here in Matthew, and we find it here used in this passage, but I want you to take note of how it's used in other passages. Uh, for example, in Matthew 28, 20, when Jesus leaves and he says, uh, and lo, I will be with you even unto what? The end of the age, okay? Uh, turn over to Matthew 13. I wanna draw your attention to a couple things here about this. Matthew 13, and look at verse number 39. 
Let's back up, we'll start verse number 36. So the Lord is giving a parable of, the, of, of the, the harvest. And he says here in verse 36, then he left the crowds and went into the house and his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is, mark it, the end of the age and the reapers are angels. Just as weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace in that place where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So the Lord gives us this thing about the harvest being the end of the age and he tells us that the reapers of the angels, the tares, the weeds are gathered and burned in the fire. And so shall it be at the end of the age. So the Lord tells us basically everybody in the world, the Lord's going to gather them all up and everything's going to be sorted out. Those that do not know Christ will be turned into everlasting punishment in hell. And those that know Christ will be in the joy of the Lord. And he says, this is going to be the end of the age. Look at uh, uh, verse uh, 49. The same phrase is used again. He gives this parable of the net. So it will be at the end of the age. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven. Verse 47 is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore, sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. God is going to gather everybody up and those that know Christ will be in his presence, but those that do not know Christ will be turned into hell. And so he says, this is going to be the end of the age. Now, as we look back here, let's turn back over to Matthew 24. The disciples' question is about the end of the age. They're asking questions about final things. What is the future going to be like? And they're asking questions ultimate things. When is the Messiah coming in full presence and glory? When will foul, final, complete, and total judgment take place? When the ungodly are damned and sent to hell and the righteous are sent into the glory of the kingdom. When will this be? And what is the sign we are to be looking for to indicate it's going to happen? That's their question. And so the, Lord, the Lord's answer now begins at verse number four and continues to move on through Matthew 24 and 25. And that's where we are here. He says nothing about the destruction of Jerusalem from now on. That was outside of the Olivet Discourse. And he then begins to tell them what the end of the age is going to be like, what is going to happen and really, um, you think about it, that judgment that was upon Jerusalem about the temple being destroyed and leveled, that is small in comparison to what God is going to do to this whole earth. And uh, so I would, I would say to you, if you are without Christ, I would urge you to repent Believe the gospel, turn to Christ, 
because Christ is going to come. How do I know that? Because he said the temple was gonna be leveled and it did happen. And uh, so Christ is going to return. And so now you know where we are here, Matthew 24. And he's basically gonna tell them from now on, let me show you what the signs are of my second coming. Let me show you what does indicate the end of the age. And so the Lord's answer is where we're gonna pick up next week. I'm sorry, I couldn't leave you hanging. Okay. So come back next week. You'll get to hear what the Lord's answer is on all this, all right? And so this was, we continue our journey through this, but I, I felt that we needed to really lay a foundation of what their thinking was, how they were thinking about it, and what the Lord is actually going to say about what the end of the age really is and his coming. So let's pray together. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.